0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today we've got Christopher John Carlo on. He's crypto dad and his book out is the fight for the future of money. Hi, Christopher. Hey, good to see you. Good to speak to you. Great to speak to you. Really excited about this. Um, we wanted to get you on because you've had a really, you know, a different career. You've done a lot of different things. Do you want to just take a minute to explain about what you do?
1: Sure. So hello everybody. I'm Chris Giancarlo, and I'm the author of a new book called Crypto Dad: The Fight for the Future of Money. Crypto Dad's a title that I didn't collect, uh, seek for myself. It was actually one that was given to me uh, by folks in the Twitterverse and, and, and the crypto universe. Uh, and how I got here is a really uh, fun story. At least it, it's been fun for me. I, I, I came out of college in 1981 and went on to law school at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, where I learned to play the banjo in addition to learning to practice law. And um, uh, I then went on to Wall Street and I spent the next uh, 16 years as a practicing lawyer uh, in New York and in London. Uh, I was in London for several years advising a lot of technology companies coming out of research parks around Oxford and Cambridge and Durham and elsewhere on doing business in the United States, uh, selling their product, technology products and services. Uh, a lot in the area of biotech and ultimately helping some companies go public uh, on the NASDAQ and other markets here in the United States. And it was as a result of that work that in the year 2000, um, I was asked to uh, help a group of of, of British entrepreneurs actually um, launch a, uh, a, a, a product in the United States and take that product public that's used to price a complex instrument called a currency option, mm-hmm. which is basically a way of estimating where different currency rates will go in the future, and 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 that marketplace uses a standard, a benchmark pricing tool, sort of like you know feet and inches or the metric system. Well, they had come up with basically a way of measuring uh, where the price should be for these different inst- for these different transactions. And, um, and so I left the law practice after 16 years, joined them as, as uh, head of corporate development with the idea of taking this company public. Well, in fact, the market changed dramatically in the spring of 2000, there was a sort of a short term market crash. We shelled that we wound up selling the company to a group of Wall Street entrepreneurs that were building some of the first electronic trading systems for what? trading these very sophisticated financial products. And so I stayed with them, and uh, we grew the firm very rapidly uh, from a small partnership of about 16 partners into a, a, a world a straddling operation. Uh, we, we raised private equity and then took the company public. We conducted an IPO on the NASDAQ in 2006, and then we went on to uh, do a secondary offering on the New York Stock Exchange, and we became the world's largest trading venue for a very complex financial product called a credit default swap. And if you've ever heard that term, many people identify it as uh, having been at the center of the 2008 financial crisis. Now, we didn't trade these instruments. We operated the marketplace. We were the exchange where these instruments trade. And I won't get into whether or not what role they played in the financial crisis. But I will tell you that I became a supporter of some of the reforms to this marketplace um, that eventually made its way into a massive piece of financial legislation called the Dodd-Frank Act in the United States and um, actually had a hand in crafting some of those provisions and became a supporter of it. And so uh, the Obama administration took note of my support of it and in 2013 asked me if I would come to Washington and join as a member of a commission called the Commodity Futures Trading Commission that was implementing some of these reforms to the financial market. And so mm-hmm. after uh, 16 years as a practicing lawyer in New York and London and now 14 years as an entrepreneur on, on Wall Street and having successfully taken my company public, I, I left that those two careers and went to Washington and became a commissioner on a very prominent Washington agency. One that was taking a very early interest in some of the early development of Bitcoin. And in 2015, my agency, the first in Washington, declared Bitcoin to be under its jurisdiction. And to my great surprise, in 2016, uh, Donald Trump was elected president. Uh, I hadn't expected that, and I certainly didn't expect that he would ask me to serve as chairman of the agency, having served two and a half years as a commissioner. And I Mm -hmm. like to believe it was on the the merits of of my work uh, and not politics, because I didn't go to Washington to get involved in politics to any great extent. Uh, and so, having been first unanimously confirmed by the Senate to join the Commission, I was once again unanimously confirmed to join to head the Commission in, in 2017, and I then served out the remainder of my term, two and a half years. But it was a very eventful two and a half years that I served as Chairman, five years in total, because in 2017, uh, the CFTC, my agency, greenlighted the world's first regulated, transparent, liquid market for bitcoin and in this case it was bitcoin futures the ability to um uh, uh take a view as to where the price of bitcoin would head 30 days 90 days 60 uh, six months out uh it, which is what futures markets do and that market because it was regulated by a premier global agency the cftc became the uh increasingly the place where the price of bitcoin is set in global markets. And, and more importantly, it became a marketplace where large, uh, well-regulated institutions, like pension funds and insurance companies, could actually engage in the cryptocurrency market. Up until then, cryptocurrency markets had been primarily retail. But mm-hmm. this allowed institutional engagement in crypto. And so wow. uh, I'm firmly of the belief that had we not green-minded the creation of that market, uh, cryptocurrency wouldn't be the two and a half trillion dollar market it is today, with, l- with enormous amount of institutional in, uh, interest from large uh, pension funds, uh, uh, insurance companies, etc. So anyway, I, I left the agency at the end of my five-year term in 2019, and have now entered my fourth career, and this time uh, as an author, I've just published uh, Crypto Dad: The Fight for the Future of Money, that is both a it's 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 sort of a a story. Of, of my engagement with crypto, the role of the CFTC, but it's a look forward to where I think crypto is going uh, into the future. And more importantly, where I think digital money is going. And to that extent, I, I originally launched the foundation, the Digital Dollar Foundation, and we've some, begun something called the Digital Dollar Project, mm-hmm. which is looking into what digital sovereign money will look like in the future. And I talk about that in my book. So how's that for a start, uh, Daniel, as to sort of the, the, the arc wow. of my career? <laughs> <laughs> what a career. I also played play banjo in a great band, too. Right? But that's, <laughs> that's another story.
0: <laughs> well, what a career. I mean, that is that's incredible. Because, you know, you've gone into some of the most difficult careers in the world as well, that, you know, practicing law, especially in the world of finance. Um, how did you why did you choose to do that? Why did you choose to go into law?
1: Um, You know, so everything I've done in my life has been a matter of just putting one foot in front of the other as to where my interest and my passions lie. And and to to take a phrase that I learned as a child from my grandmother, which was to always walk on the sunny side of the street. Um, I've always just followed career paths because it seems like, oh, the sun is shining over there. It seems interesting to me. I I, I like the the feel of that. So I want to go in that direction. And of course, opportunities, uh, you know, present, it's when opportunities present to, in a sense, cross the street to the sunnier side. Uh, And so I've always done that. I didn't, I never, (laughs) never in a million years did, did I, when I came out of university, think that I would wind up. You know, be going to Washington as the head of an agency or writing a book about crypto. Mm. It just—I just did what came next. So when I, when, when I was in, in my uh, last two and a half years of university, um, I, I knew I liked to read. I, I knew I liked to write. I knew I—I—I I, I, I had a knack for taking complex subjects and and, and simplifying them it, it, through the written word. Mm. And so law school, even though I didn't know I wanted to be a lawyer, um, uh, I. I Law school just seemed like a logical next step after university because it was an opportunity to read a, about um, uh, disputes and, 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 and contests of ideas and and to and to write them down and, and mm. to extrapolate on that and so I went to law school. I, I must say I didn't find law school as intellectually um, uh, stimulating as I thought it would be. And I loved being in university. Uh, 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 and I love the range of, of issues that I studied. I didn't find, I found law school a little bit like trade school. Um, it, at first I, I became, I enjoyed it more. I mm. didn't actually enjoy the practice of law at first, okay. but there was enough, enough to stimulate me and it just got better over time. It got better when I actually had the opportunity to help clients solve problems. That's when law kind of clicked for me when it was not so much. Writing countless memos late tonight, or, research, or researching arcane issues, or, mm. or worse, you know, producing documents for transactions. But once it was actually a matter of of solving clients' real world problems, and the combination with technology, which has always interested me, of the way to to take antiquated systems and update them and make things more efficient, um, uh, always interested me. I was very interested and very involved in the first wave of the internet. And so that's when law uh, clicked for me and i enjoyed it and, and in fact when after 14 years i never thought that i'd leave the law but then an opportunity came that seemed very exciting as i mentioned mm. uh, to get engaged with a client um in, in the area of derivatives i
0: i think you gave a really great bit of advice there about sort of pursuing your passions and i don't think enough people actually Give that as careers advice uh, certainly in the uk you know you kind of you go to school and you get told you know pick a career and for my generation we're not really going to have 50-year careers you know because the world changes so rapidly now um, and, and a job that was done you know in previous generations for 50 years just won't it won't exist for 50 years so pursuing your passions and keep moving but i think people get worried um and you know they get worried they won't be able to do it or risk of failure but you know, your advice is to just go for it, right?
1: Yeah. So, so you'll always have risk of failure, right? You cannot let. There is no safety from failure, and 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 if you're if you're afraid of failing, you'll never advance and grow because you don't learn from your successes. Mm. You learn from your failures. You only learn from your failures. I t- I tell my own children in their twenties, I say. Celebrate your successes, but learn from your failures, and don't be afraid to fail. Now, I, I, you have to have discipline within all of this. You can't just sit in, in an easy chair and say, "I'll just wait till something I love comes along." And meanwhile, I'll just you know keep staring at the telly. Mm. I mean, you've got to get out there, and there there will be passages in your life's journey that are, you know, not happy, happy, happy. There'll be passages in your life journey where. Uh, things are a bit of a grind, but as long as you feel you're progressing uh, to what I call the sunny side of the street, progressing to where you want to be, um, uh, uh, I think, uh, in, at least in my experience, it leads to good things. There's a saying I love that says, "The harder I work, the luckier I get." Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's been that's been my uh, that's been true for me in life. That, that the opportunities that have come my way have usually because um, uh, you know, I've really worked hard at, at something at, at something that I like. I mean, it, it, you know, another phrase is, you know, if you, if, you, if you do what you like, you'll never work a day in your life, meaning that it will never feel like work. And, mm-hmm. and I would say that um, mm-hmm. for me, uh, just following my nose, following my instincts, working hard, you know, putting up with some, some days and some passages in life better than others, but yet always following the things that have interest me. Have made have made it fun and 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 opportunities just seem to continue to come when you when you take that course. It becomes almost like a discipline to to condition yourself to uh, listen to your own voice, stick with you know the things you you the, where you have a passion, where you have an aptitude, where you have a facility, um, and and it will and it will just come. You know I, a movie that I also liked from when my kids were younger was Finding Nemo.
0: Yeah, good and, film. <laughs> and, and,
1: yeah, life life is sort of like being a fish in an ocean, and and you 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 have to follow your instincts where you want to go. And if there are different times where there's some danger, and there's some bad actors that you've got to work work with. You know, be careful of the company you keep. Surround mm. yourself with people that that want to advance you and not just themselves. And uh, find mentors. Find people that are um, uh, true, and 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 be beware of the sharks out there because they are there, and, and 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 you can't always avoid them, but but don't let yourself become a victim to them.
0: I think it's difficult as well sometimes. If if you know you're in a career, maybe you a young person in a career, and you you go to your family and friends, you say, oh, "Do you know what, guys? I'm actually going to do this," and it's something completely different. And sometimes they might look at you like you're mad, but not everyone has to understand what you're doing right you know if it's right for you in your head then you should go ahead and do it and don't expect everyone around you to to understand your decisions
1: i think that's an excellent point let let me actually pick up on that point because there are people in all of our lives that that themselves have because of fear or otherwise not advanced themselves and they don't necessarily want to see you advance yourself either because it might actually show off that they haven't advanced themselves now I'm not saying you know they're they're bad it's just that's the nature of human life you know mm. the, the, the people that truly live this life if if you know if there are there are people in all of our lives that, that haven't themselves advanced as much as they would like and they might hold you back from advancing as much as you would like to and so if those people are around you then you you have to you know politely but firmly, you know say thank you very much. I've heard your advice, but uh, you know you've got to follow your own counsel. And you've got yeah. to, to to be truly alive in this world, you, you've got to live your own life and not somebody else's life. And especially if if that somebody else's life would hold you back.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great point. So we go from you go from law into being an entrepreneur. Now I wouldn't necessarily. Put those two together. I, d- I just don't know. I would don't know if lawyers would be as risk taking as as you we perceive entrepreneurs to be. And how was that transition for you?
1: Yeah, it it, it took a little bit of a transition. Um, it, when I was approached about uh, uh, joining this Wall Street group that was creating these training systems, I made it very clear to them that I didn't want to go there to be a lawyer. Uh, I, I, I was I, you know if I was going to be a lawyer, I was going to remain a lawyer a lawyer in, the, in as a partner in the law firm mm. where I was. Um, uh, but I would be happy to go there to focus on the growth aspects, the building of the company. And, and so with that clear, um, I then spent the next several years uh, growing the business that so we, we eventually grew out to be. had 18 offices around the world from wow. Tokyo and Singapore and, uh, and Sydney uh, across the globe through Europe, London, Paris, uh, 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 Tel Aviv, uh, South Africa. And of course, uh, uh, New York uh, here, here in the United States, uh, as well as other offices and uh, uh, building that platform was fun, but it did take uh, a sort of a reorientation away from the, the, the risk identification uh, that lawyers do and, and advising clients how to minimize risk to um, one of more uh, risk taking uh, mm-hmm. investment making and and, and Growth, uh, but that was a very healthy uh, transition for me. One that, that in hindsight, uh, uh, I think broadened me as as a person, as uh, as an intellect, and, um, and one that I'm really glad we enjoyed. Uh, and our, I must say, that taking the company public was a was a watershed moment in terms of uh, building wealth for myself and for my family uh, mm. as well. And uh, really glad that I took that risk. Because that then gave me the freedom to do other things in life that I would not have been able to do had I stayed a lawyer. I was able to, uh, you know, fund my kids' retire, fund our retirement, fund my kids' education, and um, and then, you know, increasingly make independent decisions as to what I wanted to do. Because I had, because uh, we had succeeded in taking the company public, uh, uh, I would have never been able to go to Washington and spend five years uh, on a government. Um, uh, agency head salary, which in the United States is is very minimal, uh, but I was able to do it because we had funded uh, our long term plans uh, through because of the company's IPO. So wow. again, here's a risk that that I was willing to take that that paid off very nicely, both intellectually uh, and financially, enabling and me to do up, make other choices in the course of life.
0: I think it's interesting at the moment. There's a sort of a culture of. Um... I'm, I'm I'm very much an advocate for people starting their own businesses and being entrepreneurs, definitely. But I think it's been quite heavily glamorized recently. Um, and it, it, it is difficult. It's not as easy as, you know, everyone makes it seem and it is, it is a struggle. But what do you think are some really key qualities that helped you to succeed in, in the world of being an entrepreneur?
1: Well, you know, it's something I write about in my book. In fact, actually, when I left the firm to go to, I, I mentioned that, that software pricing system for currency options, that company actually failed. Uh, 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 and so it's, you know, the glamour is there, but so is the disappointment. Uh, that company failed. Now, luckily it was bought by this Wall Street partnership, that eventually we succeeded and took the company public. But, but you know, if, if you're, if, if, if there's a saying, in, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, you know, if, if you haven't failed, you're not trying hard enough. And, and as I say, you know, you only learn from your failures, not from your successes. Uh, if one is unwilling to fail, don't try to become an entrepreneur. Mm. Failure is part of an entrepreneur. So you learn from those failures and then eventually you, you put all that information together and, and you get it right. Uh, hopefully, not everybody does, um, but no risk, no reward. Uh, and so uh, for me, Willingness to take risk has, and while not always glamorous, uh, worked out very well. And, and if I had to do it again, I would do it again, even if I didn't know what the odds were and if there was no path, you know, no, no, no guarantee of success. Yeah. You know, more than the glamour, more than the, the wealth effect of taking the company public, leaving law and going into business. Mm. Made me whole. as and it's an individual. You know, it, it made me a man, and I don't mean that uh, in any way gender specific. I, I just mean that it made me a whole person. It, it, all my life experiences have led to my ability to stand anywhere and to anyone and speak my mind and, and know that my life's experience have given me the confidence and the and and the, the comfort level in my own choices. If you you know, life is a—it's—it's it's a, it's a sequential building up of uh, of character, and, and if you're afraid to take the risks, you, you never get that character uh, confirmation. You know, or to put it another way, you know, if you're willing to take some chances and follow your own nose in life, you know, you, you know, it's like a, its like refining of a, of a metal. You, you you get stronger and stronger, and so more than anything the benefit of a well-lived life is a well-lived life and, yeah. you know, and, and the confidence and the certainty that comes with a well-lived
0: life so should we jump into um you know you going to washington and how that was for you and, and that part of your career was it a really enjoyable time for you or was it was it quite a challenge
1: it was it, it, talking about learning new skills all over again washington is you know it's professional politics and, and these people uh, you know, if you've ever seen House of Cards, either the British version, which I love, or the American version with Kevin Spacey, you know mm. it, it, it's of course a pastiche of, of the real thing. But but I'll tell you, the real thing isn't too far off. I mean, these <laughs> people play play for keeps, and, wow. and they're pros. And you know, so I, look here, I'm a guy who by then had spent 30 years on Wall Street, either as a Wall Street lawyer, uh, and in London, uh, yeah. or as a, or as an entrepreneur. And I go to Washington thinking, you know, I'm somebody. And I had to relearn all over again. I mean, these people have have, have techniques and games they play that, you, you you know, the complexity and the sophistication is just off the charts. Wow. But I, I, I learned all that I talk about this a lot in my book, Crypto Dad. A lot of it's my journey through these different careers, especially my time in Washington. I refer to myself as an accidental regulator because I didn't, you know, I didn't go to Washington uh, you know, just to live a political life, I, I, I never expected to be asked by president Obama to serve. I never expected to be asked by president Trump to serve a very, one of the very few Trump, uh, Obama, you know, both by appointed by two very different presidents. Mm. Um, and, um, I had to learn a lot. I, I, in my book, I talk about that. I, I, after a while I came to see that most professionals in Washington are either really good at politics. And, and not so good at policy, or really good at policy, and not so good at politics. And, and oh, there, there's a few that are good at both, but most are not. At some point, I came to realize that really, politics, both I wasn't great at. I was OK. And, and I didn't really love. But policy, I really liked. I really mm. liked the policy side. And when I executed on policy, I had some really strong successes. Uh, during my time in Washington um, uh, and and left the commission I think having succeeded on a number of important policy areas but I also realized that a five-year term was all I wanted that the politics ultimately didn't interest me that much it was a lot of uh, a, a lot of to do about nothing on a lot of silly I thought political issues but that's just me I know people find politics fascinating many people do um, I ultimately found it kind of boring um, the, the politics side but the policy side I loved and I really enjoyed being chairman of the agency uh, I, I love the people at the agency I loved being their captain for those those years I was uh, there and, uh, uh, and and write about this in my book I enjoyed it very much and and the work we did in a number of areas uh, especially in the area actually of our uh, a global swaps market especially our relationship with London uh, as, as a result of work I did, I was given a, a wonderful honor—the freedom of the City of London—because of oh, wow. how close, closely we, my agency, worked with the Bank of England on a number of key projects, and it's something I'm very proud of. Uh, I have the 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 the, the freedom uh, parchment on my wall in my home study, and it means a great deal to me. Um, but also the work we did on cryptocurrency—we were really very forward-leading. We're ahead of the rest of the world on that, um, uh, and it's something I'm also very proud of. So I really enjoyed those five years. Um, uh, I I write about it with a great deal of affection. I I think I tell some very funny stories uh, about those years in my book, and it positioned me now that I've left government to focus on my foundation work in creating a central bank digital currency, what we call a digital dollar, Mm. it's allowed me to write. Uh, I do some advisory work in the crypto space. I'm also actually doing something that's really fun. And that is I'm investing now in some crypto companies. Hey, very cool. In some new technology companies and and getting to work with a lot of young entrepreneurs. Mm. I was just down in Philadelphia at the Wharton School, School of Business, meeting with a, a group of uh, young entrepreneurs that are starting some really new um, uh, digital technology companies and everything from digital identity to um, uh, wholesale payments and retail uh, payments using cryptocurrency and so being able to advise them and invest in them is something I'm really having a ball doing.
0: Mm. I mean after you left uh, you know the politics side and you know you've, you've really delved into, into crypto what was it about the future of money that really got your attention?
1: Well, so here's where, to young people that may be interested in going into finance, I I think the the financial services industry worldwide is gonna transform dramatically in the next 25 years. And and anybody that's interested in this space, I would heavily recommend going into it right now because I think the opportunity to play a role in a wholesale revolution in financial services is remarkable. And that, that's this combination of blockchain technology and tokenized representations of value. And, mm-hmm. I, and perhaps for another podcast sometime, we'll talk about that. But those are, those are foundational technological changes that I think will dramatically transform financial services and I, I think you could see new entrants into this industry, even companies t- uh, today like uh, FTX and Coinbase, um, you know, in the next 20 years becoming you know major global institutions, challenging some well-known household high street names that we know today uh, because wow. they're adopting these new technologies from the start, not having to use them to replace a whole bunch of legacy you know analog based uh, systems and um I, I think this is a very exciting time to get into the industry um and 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 which one of the reasons why i'm enjoying so much working with a lot of new entrants that are going into the industry advising them now mm. so i think it's a, i think it's a very exciting time
0: for somebody thinking about going into it what's something they could either uh, a skill set they could build, or some sort of knowledge base they should be thinking about learning to go into this new phase of finance.
1: I think some basic level of coding capability uh, is really important. Even you know, it, it, when I was you know in university, you know my uh, you know I learned base, some basic elements of accountancy um, and, and economics. Uh, um, and, and I would say those are important as well. But I think some basic level of computer coding, I think, is critically important as, as well if one wants to go into finance. That doesn't mean one should go in and become a coder if that's not what one wants to do. But understanding uh, how that's done, I think, is very important.
0: Mm. I
1: think understanding the legacy financial system and the history of it, how we got here, uh, is, is very important. The other thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an... Um, Unashamed free market, uh, a believer in free markets. I, mm. I'm, I'm an unabashed champion for economic liberty. Uh, mm. and, and, uh, and I think that one of the things that so excites me about this technology, it, it's the opportunity to break away from, from the institutional dominance in the in the digital world of big tech companies. Like, like Facebook and, and others, and in, and in the financial system, the dominance of, of big bank, high street uh, superstores and the ability to uh, look at greater, I think, financial freedom by new entrants and new possibilities of direct peer-to-peer. I mean, if we can send a text message or a, or a music file around the world in a second, you know, mm-hmm. why are we paying enormous fees to large banks and others to move money during banker's hours, nine to five, five days a week, instead of with the same speed and low cost and efficiency um, uh, uh, that we use in other digital processes and why can't we operate on a a person-to-person basis rather than having everything we do dominated by intermediaries well we can the technology is there and i think that's the direction of travel over the next several decades and that's why i I think this is an exciting area for young people to get involved in today
0: Mm. so if you could look back on your career would you change anything? Would you make any different decisions, or would you would you have done exactly what you did?
1: I, there's nothing I regret. I, I'm, in fact, I, I've enjoyed all of it. Um, so there's n- not a thing I, I at all that I regret. Um, uh, funny thing is, along the way, I never I, I sometimes regretted I didn't have a master plan, mm. and now when I look back, it looks like it was all a grand plan, <laughs> and it all worked out. And so what I'd say to young people is. Don't, don't worry about not having a master plan don't worry about uh, where where you'll be in 15 or 20 years just think about what you want to do now and what you want to do next and mm. um, and, and 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 again follow your nose follow your interests follow your instincts and be confident um, yeah. I actually I tell you what I, I think the I think life is wonderful I mean I, I really think the the course of life human life is wonderful I, I, I I love being married to a wonderful woman now for 32 years. We've got three great kids. We have a lot of laughs together. Mm. Um, life's been good, and and I think life is good. And 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 don't be afraid. Um, uh, do not be afraid. Be fearless. Be, be you know. Don't be reckless, but 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 don't be fearful. Uh, live your life fully. You only get one shot at it. So just go out there and be who you are. Follow your nose. Have some laughs along the way. Be with people that supports you, um, uh, you, you know. avoid the people that, that bring you down and, and just go out and live a wonderful life.
0: Well, that is a brilliant place to, uh, to end this. Thank you so much um, for coming with Christopher. I love your outlook on life. Um, I think you've had an amazing career and thank you for sharing uh, your advice with our listeners.
1: Daniel, it's been my pleasure. Thank you today for, for this time today.
0: Absolute pleasure. And um, where can people find you, your book, and anything you're up to?
1: Yeah, so, so uh, take a look at my website, um, uh, www.chrisjohncarlo.org, www.cryptodad.org. Uh, my book is called Crypto Dad, The Fight for the Future of Money. It's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble.com, Most of the online retailers. The audio version is coming out on Tuesday, December 21st uh it's available now in pre pre pre-order uh there's a european edition we're just in the japanese edition we just uh did a big um, uh hebrew edition so the book is 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 really fun i think folks are enjoying it and uh i highly recommend it i hope your listeners enjoy it and um uh contact me through my website if you'd like to speak further i'm on linkedin as well
0: amazing thank you christopher